a man who grappled a beast That man's name was Matthew Priest His boots lace tied and his wrist tape snug Grapple, rumble, my grapple man The grapple man soon may come To ramble, rant and flap his gums One day when the grappler scrum He'll talk about the wrestling world Well, Priest got his boys and they gathered round They gambled picks from a site they found In hopes they hit their fists will pound Gamble, gamble, degenerates The grapple man soon may come to Ramble, rant, and flap his gums One day when the grappler scrum He'll talk about the wrestling world He continued his journey with an expedition His old pal dubbed an elite edition Weekly discussions became their call Together they break it down in full The grapple man soon may come To ramble, rant, and flap his gums one day when the grappler scrum He'll talk about the wrestling world As his in-ring bouts wound down He found himself on a microphone Alive and kicking to the bone Before he shouts, here we here go! Here we go! The grapple man soon may come To rumble, rant, and flap his gums One day when the grappler scrum He'll talk about the wrestling world Grapple man soon may come to ramble, rant, and flap his gums. One day when the grappler scrum, he'll talk about the wrestling world. Alrighty, folks, we are back with another episode of Ramblings of a Grappleman. I am Matthew Priest, and ladies and gentlemen, it has been a while. It has been far too long since I've recorded a solo episode here for you folks. Just a lot been on my mind lately. Busy summer. Took took a little bit of a break. Going to be coming back with some Elite Edition episodes uh, very soon. Monday, August 16th will be uh, the return of Elite Edition. Uh, Nick Braxton and myself will break down and analyze AEW Dynamite as well as Rampage debut episode. Uh, we're going to do that going forward. With the talk of Elite Edition. Gambling with the Grappleman will return as well with the NFL season coming up. Uh, we didn't get into much of hockey or baseball or future picks or anything like that. And Football seemed to be our uh, strong suit, so we're going to stick with that. And then uh, here's Ramblings of the Grappleman. There's myself here. I am ALIV alive and kicking, doing my thing. Uh, a lot of pro wrestling shows returning that I'm involved with. Clash Wrestling uh, on August 28th, 2021. Returns with Clash Returns, uh, BCWA, the Blue Collar Wrestling Alliance, will return. Uh, right now it's targeted for October. We'll see what all happens. Um, you have done a few shows for, uh, uh, what is it, UWF in uh, South Bend, Indiana. Um, done a few shows out there as well over the summer. So just trying to keep busy with the grappleman business that we are in and all love. But today... Um, been a crazy year uh, in the in the world of professional wrestling. Um, people talk about how 2020 was so unique. Well, 2021 is far more unique. Um, you know, the landscape has definitely changed. Um, you have, you know, WWE, who has been, for the better part of 40 years, uh, the, the top company in the world. 
Um, some people will dispute that, but there's no disputing it. They're the biggest company in the world. They're worth the most money. They get the most viewership worldwide. Um, but now you have all the other wrestling companies kind of banding together, which we've seen happening for a few years. But there's always been some inconsistencies. But I feel like AEW, because they have the money um, and the the mainstream um, exposure of the American audience, and then they're able to appeal to a worldwide audience as well because of deals that were already in place, quickly became the number two promotion. And by partnering up with New Japan, it, it seems, I mean, nothing's like working together uh hand and foot but they're you know they, they have a, a a good partnership um and they also have a great partnership with with impact very closely reliant who was the number two company in america and arguably the world for a very very long time i mean impact wrestling has been around for it'll be 20 years next year uh under the tna impact umbrella and that's a very long that that's when you look at the history of pro wrestling i mean that's longer than wcw and ecw and of course, Smoky Mountain and all these companies that get heralded as these great, wonderful companies. But uh, Impact's outlasted them all. So good on them um, for being able to do such a thing. But partnering up with AEW, uh, who's also had strong ties with the National Wrestling Alliance, especially with the women's division, uh, has been highly, heavily featured within AEW programming. So AEW is working with everyone really accepts WWE, but the controversial comments recently that a lot of fans on the internet went nuts about was when Vince McMahon didn't call AEW competition. Um, I always like to look at things from both sides. I can see why fans would be upset by that, and I can see how that could be taken as a slight or, or an insult because, yeah, we're both in, they're, they're both companies in the professional wrestling business, so you assume they're competition. You assume they're competing. Um and I'm going to dive into that a little bit deeper uh, with with an, a take that's been kind of in my mind. Um, I mean, I don't know this. Again, it's not necessarily something I believe. I always just try to look at both sides of the story. I analyze and think about it and try to provide alternate angles. Um, it's not necessarily something that I believe is happening, but I think it's I think it's in the realm of possibility to open your mind and think this way. And that's what this podcast is all about, is opening your mind and, and looking at the professional wrestling business uh, from that of an inside view and someone who's been deep within the business and has done just about any, just everything you can do in the professional wrestling business, I'm pretty sure I've done. Um, so, except make it to the highest level possible or any level very high for that matter. But as far as any role, whether it be wrestler, performer, booker, promoter, uh, referee, ring announcer, commentator, uh, concession stand, um, merchandise table, I mean, I've literally done it all. Um, set up the ring, tear down the ring, set up the chairs, tear down the chairs, build an entranceway, tear it down. I mean, I've done every little bit of this business that you possibly can do, like I said, uh, from a from behind-the-scenes standpoint. However, we're talking about uh, the controversial comments that Vince McMahon made. We're talking about AEW. We're talking about how the landscape of professional wrestling has changed. Um, AEW has been very open about working with independent promotions, such as Beyond Wrestling, Um and uh, GCW, Game Changer Wrestling, heavily has been involved with them. They've they've referenced um, you know freelance wrestling and Warrior Wrestling out of Chicago and AAW and AIW out of Cleveland and Chicago, respectively. And uh, you just Mission Pro out of Texas, which is the women's promotion that I believe Thunder Rosa runs, and um, NWA out of Hollywood or Championship Wrestling from Hollywood. Um, uh, 
you know, they've worked with them. I mean, they, they have a foothold with all the big indies and now they're, they're drifting towards, you know, new Japan. Of course, like I said, impact NWA, they're working with these major, major companies and much like WWE did years ago and they absorbed the UK market to a degree um, and really launched NXT UK. Um, they made sure that that was an apparent piece of their business um, to really get a stronghold there and, and a foothold there as you had so many um, independents. And I feel like AEW is doing the same thing, but they're not buying them up. They're, they're helping support, and, and that's the important piece of the puzzle there. Um, but as far as Vince McMahon not viewing AEW as competition, take it for what it is. Uh, here's my alternate take on it. Again, this is not something that I necessarily believe. This is something I thought about that, to me, makes some logical sense. Um, and it all goes back to the old adage. Uh, I believe it was, you know, I've, I've heard a few people refer to it. I've, you know, Raven really gives a great breakdown of it, uh, that there's like four types of people in this world uh, when it revolves around pro wrestling. You have your diehard fan, your casual fan, your bandwagon fan, and your person who is never, ever going to watch wrestling and they don't care. Um, and they say, you know, your diehard fan's always going to watch no matter what. And they've had that for years. You don't appeal your product to them per se because they're going to watch no matter what. They're going to be the vocal minority. They're also going to love things, hate things. You know, they're just they're there. They're not going anywhere. And then you got your casual fan who uh, is who they're trying to appeal the product to. That's who they're const- They're trying to keep them in. They're trying to to allure. Um, you know, any every professional wrestling business kind of did this. You know, for years and years and years, that's just how it worked. Is you're, you're, you, you know, you have your core audience of, let's just say, what if you're if you're hoping for a, a, a even on the independent level, like if you're hoping for a house of a hundred people to show up to your show, you know, you got probably twenty five to forty people that are your diehards that are gonna be there, um, and then you're trying to lure in another. You're trying to double that. However, you can. You're trying to get to that 50 to 80 person mark with, you know, the appealing of the casual wrestling indie going fan that's going to go to an indie show that they might skip this one. They might not. You want to draw them in for some reason. Then the rest of the crowd, you're hoping to strike gold. You're hoping that you get a strong, uh, the the right weekend, the the right campaign. Again, this is just a hypothetical with a hundred people, but that's kind of the mindset that goes into it. I think it it transcends all the way up through the business. And you're trying to lure in those bandwagon folks that are going to come along with their friends and have a good time. They're going to enjoy it. Whatever, you know, come, come whoever may, uh, is something I like to say. And, And I think that's very applicable to, um, you know, even WWE, AEW, whoever it might be. But I think the, the where the biggest change in the pro wrestling business is you don't have those four types of people anymore in, in the internet and the way people consume. I feel like it's almost branched off into eight different types of people. Um, you have your... Uh, you have like almost three different types of like diehard fan. You have your like die like the we'll we'll call them like the number the the the, the first grouping of people like the group A is like the the diehard like 
the hardcore diehard fan, the extreme diehard fan that watch, they'll go to the, the local indie shows. They'll go to the big indie shows. They have their, their finger on the pulse of all things pro wrestling. Uh, they're in as deep as you can possibly be. They aren't going anywhere. They know every little detail. They might not watch WWE. They might not watch AEW every single week on television, but they know what's going on. They're inside. They're reading the dirt sheets. They're consuming uh, the majority of their their daily consumption of media is going to be pro wrestling. Um, I think you have that first group of people very in touch with everything. And I think your second group of people also a diehard type of fan, but they're more of a like a. I don't want to call them diehard casuals because because that's the third type of fan. But they're more of your people who are. Uh, they watch the they're gonna watch the shows every week. They're they're not necessarily gonna like get on the Twitter or they're not gonna get on you know the Facebook and talk about it and stuff. They're gonna pay attention. They're gonna buy the, their merchandise of everyone they like. They're you know they're they're the what I would consider like the old the the classic diehard fan. Um, like what was group that, that diehard fan and the, and the four type of fan model is now like group two to me. Like there's a whole new group of diehard fans out there that are just consuming wrestling on a much like higher level, but on a smaller scale, like they want to know all, all the ins and outs, everyone up and coming. Your second fan is your diehard fan. They know everything that's going on in WWE, AEW, the big indies, right? Then I think you got your third type of I'll call them diehard casuals. They're that fringe fan. And like, this is the type of fan that, um, they watch as much wrestling as they can. They, they know what's going on. They're, they're smart to the business. They read a little bit of dirt sheet here. They read a little bit of dirt sheet there. They pay a, a little bit of attention uh, the things going on. They're familiar with big names on the indies. They understand independent wrestling. They've maybe gone to like ROH shows or they've gone to, um, you know, PWG shows. Or they, they've gone to independent wrestling shows on a, on a high level. Maybe they've gone to a local indie or two, but they're not, they're not as in touch with, they're not as in touch with, sorry, the cat just tried to, bust in here. I don't know what her problem was. She usually, uh, I don't know. She's got the dog all riled up. Sorry about that, guys. This is all right. We're back. Sorry. I had to do some editing there. Had some animal behavior problems going on, but I don't understand what got, uh, what got them both riled up with the cat and the dog. Um, literally fighting like a cat and a dog over for apparently no reason whatsoever. And the cat actually started it. Usually it's the dog that does. So very strange. Anyhow, uh, the third type of fan is like, I call them the diehard casual cause they're, they're diehard to pro wrestling, but they're, they're casual to the diehard, the, the inside of the inside of the inside. Like they don't know. Um, you know, half the guys on a game changer wrestling sh show or, or on a, on a beyond wrestling show, they might recognize, you know, four or five names on the card and be familiar. They might've seen a match of theirs before. Like they're not super inside. 
those are your three type of diehard fans now to me. It's no longer one group of wrestling fan. Then I think you move to like your casual, your fringe, your, your casual fan who is um, like they're going to watch. They're going to watch WWE every Monday night. They're not going to post about it. You might not even know they do. They know Monday Night Raw is on a Monday, and they're gonna they're gonna put it on, or they're aware. Maybe it records their DVR. Maybe they don't watch. They're your they're your your typical casual fan. Um, that's your fourth type of person. They're a wrestling fan, but they don't. They're not necessarily a person out there buying shirts. They're not buying merchandise. They're rather oblivious to the independent uh, wrestling scene and the smaller companies. Um, they're, they they probably are aware of AEW, um, and they might not tune in every week. But that to me is the, the the key person that AEW is trying to draw in is that that number four person, that casual fan. Um, and I think you've got your casual fringe fan is the group number five is what I'm going to call them here. Uh, I think that fifth person is like the person who. used to watch a lot of wrestling now they might just consume it like they'll watch clips that espn posts out like they'll follow like the bigger um websites they'll grab their headlines if they see something if a wrestler dies they'll acknowledge it like they're that fringe casual fan that's between they're not tuning into it every week they're not paying attention to every week but they're aware of who people are if they come across channel surfing and it's on they might watch 10 5 10 minutes and move on uh they might talk know enough about it to talk about it but to me they're like the fifth group of people because that's also where AEW wants to get to is they want to lock in that that casual everyday viewing fan that just goes under the radar people that are are very aware of wrestling that that don't buy merchandise and don't support anything outside of what's on their television. Um, and then your fringe fan, to me, is that per other person that they're really targeting. That's that's the, the next level of people that they want to get watching their show because that's going to be more money, more ad revenue, and everything else. And if they can lock in group four, they'll lock in group five. I don't think right now that AEW's... Cons- focused on trying to appeal to the bandwagon fan, which to me is going to be person number six. The bandwagon fan was last around at the end of, you know, the late nineties. Um, we haven't had the bandwagon back. I mean, pro wrestling has been about as mainstream as it has been in 20 years. Um, WWE like WrestleMania has been, been relatively mainstream. Um, huge. I mean, huge, 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 huge consuming, but the bandwagon fan hasn't come back on, and, and there's many reasons on why uh, that is. But that's where WWE still trying to figure out how to lure in the bandwagon fan, and they're just hoping and hoping and hoping. And whether it be Total Bellas or Total Divas, which in a way, their women viewership has gone way up and sky high. And uh, I know a lot of women who never watched pro wrestling or they were aware of it because they watched their boyfriend and they were that casual fan that has transitioned into 
that diehard casual, if you will, that that hybrid fan, that grouping three, and a lot of it came from uh, the programming of like Total Divas and Total Bells, and they and women being portrayed better in the world of pro wrestling. And women, a lot of women watch pro wrestling, and it's it's awesome when you find that out because um, why wouldn't they? It's it's for everyone. So, but WWE to me is trying to really that's that sixth person is who they want. That's who they're trying to appeal their product to. They want five. They want. They feel like they have four. Like AEW is trying to get that fourth person, that casual fan. WWE feels like they have that casual fan. And in my head, that's where I think Vince saying, "Oh, we're not competition because we're trying. We have casual fans. We have we have this group of people that are watching our product that are aware of it. We're trying to appeal to people who aren't wrestling fans right now. Take that for what it may, for what you may. And the diehard wrestling fans. That's why they." That first group of people are turning on WWE. That group number one's turning on them because they're, they're no WWE is no longer appealing their product to diehard fans. Not that they ever did. They always appeal to the casual fan. But they're getting further and further away from what that diehard number one extremist person wants because they're trying to get to this sixth type of person, this bandwagon fan is who they're trying to appeal. They're, they're appealing their product to the people who aren't wrestling fans where you have AEW who is giving them enough. They are giving group one, two, three they're giving them everything they want while they're trying to appeal to four and they're trying to draw from four and they're trying to get more of your casual fans to come over and that's where they're gearing their product to is that three four fan that diehard french fan they're giving enough for one two and three they've got them locked in now they want four where WWE might be losing one they're they're looking to get six which is a much larger group of people if they can get them so each group of each each group of people in the world is more and more and more. So, you know, you've got we'll just use a hundred for simplicity purposes. You have ten people in the group one. You might well let's we'll just scratch that. You've got five people in group one. Five extreme diehard, they're gonna go to it. Then you know you maybe have ten people in group two. It's like, okay, you know, it, it doubled. Then group threes maybe, you know, twenty people, it's doubled again. You're like, oh man. And then, you know, then you got 25 people in, in, you know, group. Actually, that's my, my analogy is really bad here. I'm making this up in my head as I go. So you got, let's just say you've got one person in group one. Who the hell knows? Ultimately, the goal is when you get your bandwagon, you, you're up to like 75% of total people that you want watching your product. Because you're not going to ever have 100 because you've got group seven and group eight. And group seven to me is the person who used to be a wrestling fan and for whatever reason they're out they will never watch wrestling again uh they're anti-wrestling for whatever reason um but they're very familiar with people on there they're in a bad mouth they're gonna bad talk it uh they're like your negative very negatively driven person which is in a lot of ways what your number one type of fan is um except they're still consuming wrestling they're consuming wrestling they love they're turning on mainstream wrestling where your your number seven person's very against all wrestling. Um, but that's something that they used to enjoy, but it, that you're just not going to get them back. And then your group of eight person is a person who's never going to watch it. They never have interest in it, whatever. So that to me is WWE's really trying to appeal to that bandwagon person. That's where their product is geared to. AEW's product is geared to the casual fan right now. They're trying to get that 
that fourth person in. I feel like majority of their show is around that diehard casual, but they're they're trying to they want, I shouldn't say trying to, they want that casual fan that might not that, that's a big percentage of people in the world. Um, they want people that are just going to put their television on Wednesday nights to TNT that are going to set their, record their program and DVR, watch it whenever the hell they can. Maybe they don't watch it Wednesday night. Maybe they watch it Sunday afternoon. Um, maybe they watch it Saturday at midnight. Like they want those people that consume it whenever they want to consume it. That's who AEW to me is 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 trying for in WWE again, trying to get that diehard band, not that diehard, that bandwagon fan, that number six fan, because that's a large group of people. Once you have them, you're huge, your attitude era, you your your eighties wrestling boom, your um, you know, you're on a whole nother level. The AEW has done a good job of drawing in people who aren't really wrestling fans to a degree. Um Maybe they're fans of something else. Their their friends are fans because they have appealed to a younger demographic with the way they present their show. Uh, so they are kind of going for like a youthful bandwagon fan with the way um, you know the Linkster generation, if you will, consumes uh, their product, and especially with the video game um, aspect of it, they're really trying to go for for the younger audience there. So they're doing an excellent job on that front, but it's still not the mass whole bandwagon folks. Uh, maybe eventually they will get there. But to me, that's where I, I think Vince McMahon said he doesn't view AEW as competition because they're trying to appeal. They're trying to appeal to two different types of fan bases. AEW is still trying to draw in a casual wrestling fan where WWE is trying to draw into people who aren't wrestling fans uh, right now that could be one day and, uh, and consume double all their numbers um, radically when they do that. So, again, not saying it's right, not saying it's wrong, just an alternate take, just something that I've, I've thought about is you see the dynamic of the wrestling landscape change, especially within the wrestling fans. Like wrestling, it used to be if you met someone who was a wrestling fan, you could have a awesome conversation with them. Um, and now I feel like the business is so exposed and so many people have been in and out of the like they 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 feel like they're in the business even though they're not, or they've done shows, but they've not really been smartened up to it. And a lot of people don't. A lot of wrestlers, even at a high level, haven't really ever even smartened up to the history of the business. So it's just a really wacky time um, in, in the world of professional wrestling because um, the tradition, the respect of tradition, is is. It's 50-50. It's just no, nothing else is quite like it in sports for sure and even in entertainment. So it's in a really unique crossroads right now, and it's exciting to be a wrestling fan. But you, I'll meet wrestling fans now that I can't even have a conversation with. Um, and I would thought for a long time it was because I was cynical and desensitized to the business from being in it. Um and it's just like, yeah, it's, I just can't talk to this person because they're they're such a fan and they're viewing it from through a fan's eyes and I don't view it that same way. So it's hard to have that conversation. But now that I've talked to more fans on different levels, I'm like, man, this person is just on a – they are the most diehard fan. They they know guys I don't know. And then I look them up and I'm like, oh, this guy – I should know who this guy is. 
but then again, they have no clue. They're talking about things that they think are happening on TV that haven't happened in years because they haven't watched. Um, and they just assume or they just read or they have somebody else's opinion and not forming their own opinion, which what I loved about wrestling fans was everybody had their own opinion. And it's a world for that. And it seems like the uh, the dirt sheets, as they get called, the the Wrestling Observer or, you know, um, you know, Wrestling Inc. is actually a pretty good, pretty good site because they take a lot of the information they're out there and let you form your own opinion from it. Try to cover multiple angles. They're still in the wrestling media, but your your pro wrestling insider, uh, your PW Torch, like all of, all of the classic dirt sheets. Plus, there's probably seventeen more because everybody has sources now, and who the hell knows what's true and what's not. But um, it is it is very very unique right now in the world of wrestling because, like I said, there are fans that you feel like you're talking about two totally different things when you talk to them, but. Just my take, just a classic rambling of a grappleman, why this podcast exists episode. Thought it would be a good one to come back as it's been a wild summer. So many releases in the world of WWE. I was on Knockouts and Three Counts podcast. Check them out, Knockouts and Three Counts, um, where this conversation kind of started and, and talking about it. And I, and I looked at it from an alternate angle. There's a couple releases this year that I, I raised my eye about scratch my head on YW let it go but we don't know what goes on behind the scenes and things are going to get reported out to the media's budget cuts but who knows what what the real reason is you know like that's what they can say but you know people people lie on their taxes all the time uh every football head press release of every sports franchise press release has has hidden bullshit and innuendo in there so you got to take it for what it's worth um, and consider your sources uh, as well when you get this information and not just take it to heart. And Why wrestling fans took these releases so personal, I don't know. It's a really shitty situation for the performers, and I sympathize with them and I feel for them. Um, especially the guys who had families that uprooted to Orlando, assuming they were going to be there for at least a couple of years, just to be six to eight months later before you even had a chance to wrestle in front of a, 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 a live crowds you came into your stint on tv and boom gone and, and that's really shitty that really sucks for those guys i sympathize for it but at the same time why is WWE making these cuts like is budget cuts really the reason i don't think so this is a company making money and i think that's why fans are upset because they don't know why and people want to know why well guess what that's for WWE to know um, but I think for a lot of these talents, it's, it's better for them. I, I used, I think he wrestled as Tyler Russ, but he was Russ Taylor in, in Ring of Honor and on the Indies. And I use him as an example because he's an excellent wrestler, a great, great in-ring technician. Um, he, he, he is a, what, what they cla- used to call classic days. He's a hell of a hand. Well, I think WWE right now has a lot of guys who are very good hands. That can do a lot of things. They might not be as good as Tyler Rust in the ring, but I, and I'm just using him as an example because he was starting to get on TV, start to get notarized. But I feel like he's a guy that you look at it and they go, "What's his ceiling? Is he ever going to make us a million? How much are we paying him? Okay, is he ever going to make us double that? Probably not. Let's just move on. Like, can he help teach these other guys how to work? Sure, but we have another dozen guys that. We can do this, but for a guy like Russ Taylor, let's cut him loose. He can 
he can do better for himself out there. Yeah, it sucks he moved him and his family to to uh, Orlando. It's shitty. I, I agree. Um, I wouldn't have cut the guy if I had that decision. There's other guys in that company that I would have let go, and there's there's other people who they let go that I totally understand. And I'm like, yeah, I probably should have never been there to begin with. Um, but, but he's a I'm not sure where that cut off. I was on a ranting about uh, Tyler Russ. I didn't realize I had a 30-minute um, time limit here before it cut out um, with this new program I'm using. So, this, hey, we'll, we're working out the kinks in our first episode back. I know not to use this for the other um, things I record. However, um, as I was saying, like it sucks. He moved his family, uprooted him. I sympathize with more. He's great. But this, again, is a guy who... He was never a top independent wrestler. He's been doing it for a very, very long time. He was very, very good at what he did. But he was never a money-making, travel-the-world top guy who, who, like, going back to those types of wrestling fans, that that number three fan was really familiar with. They might have seen the name Russ Taylor, but they weren't, might not have been all that familiar with his work or who the hell he was, you know? Um, and, and I think that is why WWE is at the point where they just go, well, this guy, not like he was going around in Ring of Honor or MLW or NWA and headlining their shows. He might have headlined one or two or a couple, not taking that away from him, but he was not like the champion and the top guy and this draw on the indies. And unfortunately, I'm using him as an example, but there's tons of guys like that that WWE signed when they were trying to compete with Dynamite. And AEW on Wednesday nights, they wanted guys who were ready to go, and they were just hoping they could strike lightning in a bottle with somebody and have, arguably on paper, better wrestlers. And Tyler Russ, let's be honest with you, he's a better wrestler than a lot of guys that are on AEW television. But he doesn't have the charisma, he doesn't have the character, he doesn't have the it factor. And those are other boxes you have to check in the world of pro wrestling. Again, sucks for him. He's a great wrestler. I think he will make more money on the indies as he's had NXT exposure. Uh, I think he can be somebody now that he's had that main level of exposure. And I think he could get signed up by a company like the NWA or he can go back to Ring of Honor, MLW, maybe even AEW. But somebody can give him a good contract, Impact. Um, somebody can give him a contract where he's going to make close to what he was making with WWE, except he's going to have the independent side of it where he can make money off his own merch. He can control his own bookings outside and end up making himself more money in a year than he did with WWE. That's on him as a talent now to do that and get over. And a lot of wrestling fans don't understand that part of the business. They just look at the evil empire cutting them, and I understand that. Why does WWE cut him? Probably for that reason. But then you look at a guy like Bronson Reed. Why do they cut him? I don't know. Again, it's his ceiling... His ceiling is probably where he's at. I mean, he gets on. He's not gonna ever be. Uh, he gets compared to Bam Bam Bigelow a lot, but he does not have. He might be a better athlete than Bam Bam Bigelow, which is it, shocking because Bam Bam was a hell of an athlete. But he doesn't have that like that it factor, that charisma. Um, you know, the same thing people said with Bull Dempsey when he got compared to Bam Bam Bigelow. They don't have. They're missing. The look. I mean, Bam Bam Bigelow looked so unique. He had the tattoos on his head. And the look is a huge part of being a pro wrestler. And Bronson Reed has a very unique look. Uh, very talented performer. I, I was a fan of his. He was probably the one of the NXT releases that surprised me the most. But then again, I go, they probably feel like he's at a ceiling. And he's a guy who can go out there, again, make more money for himself. And he's going to get a bigger payday. He is going to make more money in the short term. 
by getting out of WWE than he would have if he stayed there for three years, got on TV, and got, you know, Cam Brodus Clay or something, you know, just for an example there. who That's a guy doing very good for himself outside of WWE since he got cut. Um, whether you agree with what he does or not, that's on you. Um, for you for you to decide, but you know anybody can do anything, and uh, it's why we live where we live. And well, not all of us live in America, but that's you know he's entitled to his opinions. And he can do his thing, and I don't care what Rodas Clay does. I don't care what half these guys do. But I'm just giving examples, and you know Bray Wyatt, Braun Strowman are two of the guys that come up as like, well, they're WWE, and and Strowman had been the top guy who's champion like within months before he got let go. So really, really surprising there. He's the one that probably surprises me the most. But again, is he a guy who maybe had asked for his release at one point? Maybe he wasn't happy being there. You don't hear reports of him being a problem in the locker room or causing trouble or anything like that. And I don't think he is that kind of guy uh, from my perception. But it, it could be a situation much like they had with Ryback where he was disgruntled. Um, and they just felt like they've gotten everything they could get out of him. And he wasn't going to get them to another he wasn't going to get them to another level he wasn't going to be the guy to propel them anymore so like we're paying this guy a ton of money are we going to get it in return no is he going to make us a lot of money yeah but maybe he's not going to make us whatever whatever we're paying him back so let's cut ties um especially if wwe is looking to sell the company which was the first thing i said with the first batch of release at the beginning of the year is Huh, UFC cut a ton of fighters before they sold the company. Most of them got hired back eventually, but but we'll see. And, and with Bray Wyatt, that that that's the second most surprising one to me. Uh, less surprising because he hasn't. He, with Alexa Bliss, I guess, has been around, but he's such a unique persona and character, and he's he's perfect for the WWE model and world, but. I, I also think at the same time he just doesn't fit in anywhere, and he's always kind of had that problem. Is they don't know what to do with him, and I know a big part of like Bruce Pritchard going back to WWE, and he said it on his podcast was to work with Bray Wyatt, and he had ideas for Bray Wyatt and things of that nature. So you would think that Bruce Pritchard would um, would have like really wanted him around or had creative ideas for him, and I don't know exactly what Bruce does there, but. Bray Wyatt also has a lot of creative control and decisions. There could have been disputes on what to do, what not to do. You know, so very interesting uh, dynamic, I think, that Bray brought to the table. And then, you know, again, you can't believe everything you read, so you don't know what's true and what's not. You read one thing where it says, you know, after Brody Lee passed away, Luke Harper, you know, he, he is with his kids because he's got kids now and going through things. He's always had kids, but he's got new kids, you know, brand new babies and stuff where he's looking at life differently and, and wondering, um, you know, if he should be doing something different or if depression, who the hell knows really what that was, or if that's just something he may have said, like, Hey, you know, I'm really struggling with this. And that's, you know, it gets spinned into something else. And uh, who the hell knows? Nobody knows except him. Um, but it also could be somewhere he's frustrated where he's given all this time, energy and effort into doing it and, and and they just keep the creative keeps coming back with nothing for him or stuff he doesn't like says so, you know what I'm, I'm i'm not happy cut me you know, figure out a way to get me out of here and then months later they go you know what let's just let's just sever ties here's your severance bud wait 90 days and you can do whatever the hell you want um 
Alistair Black, another one where it's like, okay, how do you let this guy go? But is the contract that you that you're trying to negotiate with him worth the amount of money that 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 he can really make your company uh, with where they're at right now? You, you know, it's hard to say, and I think that's where WWE's looking at. Um, not saying it's right, wrong, and different. That's just my opinion. Once again. I'm going to let the wrap this up here. I don't know how this is going to sound. Had a couple cuts and edits here, so this could be an excellent episode. It could be absolute trash. So thank you all for listening to Rambles of Grappleman. I definitely went on a ramble here. You can kind of get an inside uh, look inside my mind when I start thinking about the world of professional wrestling, especially in this modern-day landscape. And uh, for those of you wondering me, myself, I would probably consider myself uh, – uh, at one point in my life, I was definitely a diehard wrestling fan. Definitely was uh, more of in the number two role. Um, and then being within the business, you know, you stay a fan, but you, you have open eyes. So I'd consider myself probably on that 3-4 range now, probably more in that casual fan range, even though I'm well aware what the hell is going on in, in and out. But I, I, I do not watch, I do not consume much pro wrestling these days. I, I have not looked at a single dirt sheet in of years, 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 years. Hasn't gone to a website in years, years, years. Um, I, I see stuff on Twitter, um, which I've been very much more on Twitter in the last year at Matthew underscore priest, one T and Matthew and all the, the things. But, um, so I see stuff on Twitter, uh, and, you know, I, I, I will see posts from people uh, and clips. And I, I, I'm consuming most of my media now through through there. I don't know if it's just because I've gotten older and I just want chunks uh, of information where I can click the articles I want to read and, and read it myself. And I'm no longer destination seeking for it. It's got to be something that grabs my attention to, to, um, to do that as opposed to reading the entire Observer newsletter or going through a website and spending, you know, an hour a day just reading the dirt. I mean, I don't do that anymore. Maybe 15 minutes of my day is uh, just catching up on 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 Twitter and whatever I read on there, I read on there, you know, and as I said, maybe 15 minutes of my day. Um, there's just other things in my life that uh, are, are worth more, consume, more consumption. Um so I definitely am not the one-two fan. I don't even think I'm a three fan anymore. I think I fall in that casual wrestling fan um, phase because I don't watch everything. I'll catch as much of SmackDown as I can. I'll catch as much of AEW as I can, mainly for the podcast. But when I wasn't recording the podcast, there was there was episodes of Dynamite that I, I fast-forwarded through the majority of. So I definitely am. Was consuming wrestling whenever I wanted to. Caught a pay-per-view here and there. But, yeah, I do not watch everything. Uh, definitely feel like I'm that number four casual fan that AEW is trying to keep. Or lure in and then suck them in and keep them. And WWE feels like they have me. Um, and they do. Then I'll watch when I watch. But I, I don't watch everything. And I haven't watched a second of Monday Night Raw probably this entire year. Dating back probably been over a year it was definitely uh um definitely early stages of the pandemic so we'll see uh where this all comes and where at least it'll be an interesting look back in two or three years at the year of 2021 and how the wrestling landscape changed 
I'm Matthew Priest. Thanks for listening to Ramblings of a Grappleman. Take care, everyone.